When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twix. My name is Scott Kennedy. I will be your host for Coast to Coast Football. I live in Atlanta. This guy over here, Nick Kendall, he lives in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast with your football coverage. And this is our Friday morning live show where we talk about some of the best matchups, some of the biggest news, some of the things that concern us around the NFL and, you know, college football as well. But first off, Nick, how are you doing, my friend? It's good to have you back. I'm doing pretty well. I have the, uh, I wouldn't say the post, you know, vacation hiking blues uh, quite yet, but uh, we have a big weather system coming through. So it seems like winter is maybe coming a little early, but uh, who knows? Um, that's a good thing for the wildfires. So we'll, uh, we'll take it, but doing pretty well and excited for the week ahead. I know this is more of an NFL show, uh, but I'm excited for the week ahead of college football. I mean, we have six ranked matchups this week, so uh, it should be a, a fun week of, football all around well i've got you on the list for things we wanted to talk about some of the things we want to hit on are some big injury news uh we want to talk about some of the top matchups and how that affects you know the the wider landscape of the nfl and frankly season changing games already in week three whether defining i guess should say it might not change them because they're already on that trajectory it could be a season defining game typically if it's this early that's a bad thing um and then uh, one of the other things I wanted to get into the, to finish, not finish, but Nick, you and I have talked a lot about the, and everybody has, frankly, but the the inequities of the the college football, the running back position in the NFL and what needs to be done. I've got some ideas I want to bounce off you uh, and how the NIL could affect the first round picks and the draft overall. And then if we have time, we might talk a little bit about some of the top matchups you want to watch. If I'm an NFL draft guy, who should I watch this weekend? I got Saturday open. It's raining. It's nice, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching college football. Who should I watch? So be thinking about that, Nick, because those are the, some of the things we want to get into. We do go live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on these channels at 9 a.m. because we like to have our audience in here with us and turn it into a, an interactive chat. So we're going to say hello to some folks that have come in nice and early, like John Harold Jr. He says, good morning, Scott and the Falcons family. Did I miss Wednesday's show? Couldn't find it. Yes, I was. Uh, I had some stuff uh, pop up on me and uh, wasn't able to go live on Wednesday. But we're back and we're going to talk. That's our Falcons podcast. We're going to talk some Falcons because, frankly, the Falcons-Lions is one of the best matchups of the week. So we're going to hit on that one That one today. Uh, Big Ants says, good morning, Scott and Nick, as well as my Falcons family in the chat. 
Roderick Cook coming on uh, from across the pond. Good to see you. Says, hey, Scott and Nick. Hope all is well. Robbie Red drops a Mr. Kennedy. Robbie, I actually turned that into a uh, a walk-up song coupled with uh, P.O.D.'s Here Comes the Boom, where it's I, I turned it into a walk-up for my son. I, I'm going to do it to him one day because it's freaking hilarious. You know, no, now batting, number four, Mr. Boom. Here. <laughs> so I'll have to play that for y'all one time. I might do it when he's like a senior in high school or something because – not everybody knows who Mr. Kennedy is, but if you don't look up Mr. Kennedy walk up, it's it's pretty fitting. It is. It's pretty fitting. Bobby Carter says, good morning, Scott. Nick, hope all is well to you as well, my friend. Uh, Janae, she coming in saying good morning, guys. Good morning to you. Uh, 100 Realists says, good morning, Scott. Nick, hope all is well. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Richard Miles coming in. Good to see you. Jackie Galloway coming in on Facebook. I feel like Jackie usually shows up on YouTube. It's good to have you either way. Jackie, glad you are here. This is Hey Scott and Nick. Happy Falcons Friday. Also, happy Friday to all of you, friends. That's all, y'all. Philip Hogginson's in. And uh, Robbie Red has a super chat question. He says, Who has the highest Falcons? Who had the highest Falcons PFF grade over the weekend? Thanks, guys. You know, I don't remember. I probably looked at that Monday morning. Um, I pulled it up, made a mental note of it, and have forgotten since then. So, what, what do you got for us? On offense, you have Bijan Robinson, Bijan Robinson, 88.2 offensive grade. And on defense, you have David Anyamata with a 90.9 grade. That's right. That's right. Um, Bijan was the only one over 80. Coming in next was uh, Chris Lindstrom at 78.6, which is really low for him, but back in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, My eyeballs told me that Caleb McGarry played a much better game, and he was at 71, which was still much better, with an 80-run block grade and a 48-pass block grade, which wasn't great, but I thought he did a little bit better than that. And I thought Matthew Bergeron had a better game than the 52 with a 33-8-pass block grade that they gave him, Nick. Yeah, I think he had a pretty good game. Sometimes it takes a little bit for them to get going. Maybe there was a few different pass reps where he looked poor, but... Overall, I thought he looked like a pretty good part of the unit and uh, definitely trended in the right direction there at left guard. Uh, looks to be a pretty good pick um, early on for that Falcons team. Yeah, you know, speaking of good good pickups, you know, defensive player of the week in the NFC in week one, Jesse Bates. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next week, David Onyemana comes in with a 90. I think David Onyemana is top three in defensive tackles right now in PFF and Jesse Bates is number one. How about that for the spine of the defense, Nick, to help shore things up a little bit? Now, they're going to have a much, much stiffer challenge, not to give too much away. We'll get into this in a, a little bit with the Detroit Lions. Injuries or no, it's going to be I, – I feel safe in saying the best offense that they have faced through the first three games. Jackie, coming in with some stars over on Facebook. Thank you so much. We certainly appreciate the support and everything you do for us. Dave comes in. He says, good morning, everyone. Good morning to you as well. Dave says the Falcons cannot allow Aiden Hutchinson to wreck the game. And that, that is a big concern. Um, mm-hmm. That's a big concern. Would you flop him over and rush him from the left end? Or would you just leave him over there on the right? He, he mixes up a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he. I mean, most edge rushers these days kind of like play on both sides. Uh, yeah, he's a game wrecker. He's a very good player. Right now, probably, if you could say based on you know the first year of his career and two games this season, he probably should have gone number one over Trevon Walker. You know, we still got us. We want to see what Trevon Walker becomes still because the tools are alien like uh, for him. But uh, Hutchinson's been very good. Uh, I'm not an elite player. I don't think he's in the Bosa, you know, Garrett Parsons range, but that next year kind of a Bradley Chubb esque 
ability. And uh, yeah, he could definitely win this game. The Falcons are probably going to, if I were them, I'd be running at him uh, this game just to get him thinking a bit about that. You know, I, why would you run at their best player? Well, then he has to account for the run game more and those body blows add up. So I'd be running at him a tad as well. And he'll make some plays, but uh, yeah, he's a good player and he's one that probably the best defensive front player in this game uh, as well. So um, yeah, that's, that's one I that know. I <clears throat> when you start riding in on the outside. Yes. On the inside on Yamada and Grady Jarrett are pretty damn good. Yeah. I, they're 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 pretty good. I, I know you you don't you you don't feel it the way I do for Grady Jarrett, but I um, love Grady. But Grady but, Jarrett and Ananya yeah. Mata are pretty darned good right now. Um, if you were to look at player grades again, and I do a PFF, and again PFF is not the Bible, but it's it's nice to I, it's just a verify and confirm, you know, trust but confirm type of thing. Like I see what I see. And then I want to see what, you know, what did they see? So I'm not watching everything. I'm like, okay, I thought Caleb McGarry played better. Caleb McGarry has a good grade. Okay, they did a good job with that one. So what did they think about this guy that I didn't watch? One of those type of things. But if I go interior defenders right now, Nick, on PFF, Chris Jones is number one with a 92.8. And David Onyemata is number two with a 91.5. And guess who's coming in at number three right now? Jalen Carter. Yeah. Anybody heard of him? Jalen Carter, 90.2 with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then Jordan Davis sitting there at 89.9. So the Georgia Bulldogs bringing up the third and fourth spots coming in. But that is definitely a big key coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The 2021 Georgia Bulldogs at that. I mean, God, what a talk. Of, that was probably an all-time uh, defense. I don't know if we'll see one like that in a while. And Jackie Galloway coming back in with stars. Is this yeah, double dipping? Stars, so thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Remember, the Super Chats like Robbie and Jackie uh, are the, the single best way to help support the show and mm-hmm. to uh, appreciate what what Nick and I do every week, trying to trying to keep you all entertained and keep some more content going. You know, I mean, frankly, the, the Lions, let's just go ahead and finish this one out, Nick, because that, that's kind of where we're at right now is in, uh, in finishing – is talking about the Lions and Falcons going in again. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the Falcons face two quarterbacks with a combined two starts in the NFL. Jared Goff in this offense is going to be a different beast, but they got some injury concerns, Nick. They got two wide receivers with concerns. They got David Montgomery with concerns. Jared Goff is, is turned into a, a plus that average plus NFL quarterback for sure. But are they going to be are they going to be able to move the ball? Are they going to be healthy enough to do what they want to do? They're going to have to really utilize Jameer Gibbs in this game, and this is one where I'm really looking at your young linebacking duo in uh, Anderson and Ellis. Uh, I think they had a pretty good game last week, but Jameer Gibbs is a different type of athlete in space, and the offense is going to have to run through him. I mean, they did use what the twelfth overall pick on him. Montgomery's out now. You got pass catchers out. This screams Jameer Gibbs. So we're going to find out a lot about him this week. And he's at a supremely talented overall player. It's not just the running game. It's the passing game as well. So linebackers, this is a huge test uh, for them because misdirection uh, plays in space. Uh, we're we're going to find out. It's funny. It didn't take long. Uh, the comments in this in the section about, you know, what are they going to say when we start winning? I'm going to say you haven't played anybody. That's exactly what they're going to say. That's already started, y'all. That's already started for the Atlanta Falcons. So this is a tougher game, but you beat the, the Lions and you send them to one and two, and all of a sudden people are doubting the Lions. Great, that's their problem. You just keep winning if you're the Atlanta Falcons. You don't care what everybody else says. 
they don't ask how at the end of the year. They ask how many. And that's that's really about it. So uh, lots of Falcons fans in here today. Got some Broncos fans. Uh, check in if you're from another team because we're streaming to my Scott Kennedy Sports page, which has a lot of different NFL and college fans from around the place. It's, it's really taking off on that Facebook page. So welcome to, uh, to our new viewers there. Um, let me see. Brad Clark comes in. He says, good morning, rise up. Albert Knoppers. Good to see you, my friend. He says, morning, y'all football fans. Uh, Mr. Swanker says, I see the Atlanta Falcons are ranked number eight. I think they're actually up to number seven on the athletic. That might be a uh, nosebleed territory. That might be a little bit high, but so be it. I think, um, NFL.com didn't make a drastic move because they'd had the Falcons around 16 all along. So they bumped them up a few notches after their win over their number 15 team, Green Bay Packers. So they moved them up to like 13. I think that's about right. We said that beginning of the season, Nick. 13 yeah. to 16 feels like that's about right for this Atlanta Falcons team. Yeah, we had questions about you know the defense all coming together and how good can Ritter be. I think that's a ceiling question, though, not a floor question uh, for this Falcons team. Uh, offensive line looks good. The weaponry looks good. Arthur Smith has got the offense humming, uh, in my opinion. They're kind of an interesting team because they've been so much better in the second half out of the scripted plays than the scripted plays. But maybe that's just, you know, we have more talent in the trenches and we can do what we want to do versus anything fancy or whatever in the beginning. So, uh, yeah, they, top 10 team anywhere in that 12 to 8 range, I think, is probably about right. Uh, you're going to have questions this season, as you talked about this year with the schedule, but nobody. You shouldn't care about the schedule because you didn't make the schedule, right? It's not like you're out here being an SEC powerhouse and not leaving your own home state until November uh, to play a game. So that's a, that's one where we can criticize them. But the NFL schedule makers come out with this one. And uh, also, nobody really feels too bad for you when your schedule is the other end. I'm sitting here with, <laughs> as the Broncos in the AFC West. Well, sucks to suck, right? Uh, so take it and run. Uh, you play who you play, and you can only win the games um, of the teams you're up against. Well, my, my favorite are the trolls that pop in. Okay, you're 2-0 over two rebuilding teams with new quarterbacks, blah, 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 big deal. We've been losing to those teams. This, mm -hmm. this is a team that hadn't had a winning season. You're admitting that this team is now better. Nobody's saying Super Bowl. <laughs> no one's saying they're bring on the Eagles, bring on the 49ers. I mean, maybe you got a chance, but we're saying, okay, 10-7 and seven in playoffs. Progress, y'all, progress. And I think we see it. See it for uh, for sure. Bobby Carter's calling a shot. He says Desmond Ritter ends up with three touchdowns. Possible. You know, he's he's good for uh, the the one with his legs. Uh, what was the over-under on him? It was something ridiculous. Do you remember that? It was like 16 total touchdowns or something. I don't even know if it was that high at the beginning of the season. I'm like, all right, they either think he's going to get hurt or replaced by Heineke by like week five. I think that's probably what it was. Uh, the over under on that one was like, well, we're not sure enough that he'll actually win the job at this point. So we better not put like a high 15, number two. Height. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was ridiculous. I'm like, hell, he could have eight rushing touchdowns at the end of the season. I think he's got one already. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, that's not out of the question. OK, uh, let's give a prediction on this game and then and then we'll put it to bed. The Detroit Lions are a three point favorite. Uh, the over under is a it's 46. So what's that come out to about 24 to 21? 25 to 22 right in that neighborhood for a three-point game does that sound about right what uh for in favor of the lions or where would you go with this 
I think the over-under sounds about right because I expect it to be a lower possession game. Uh, you talk about the Lions receivers being dinged up and having to run through Jameer Gibbs, and I think they are Falcons are probably going to want to con- possess and control the ball as well. So I actually think the, the Falcons are going to win this game. I think it'll be a pretty big slugfest. I mean, these are two of the top seven offensive lines in football, uh, teams that are good offenses, independent of the quarterback, you know, it's not just like, yo, we plug in Patrick Mahomes here. We plug in Josh Allen. Doesn't really matter what's going on around them. We're going to get some electric offensive output. Now, these are teams that the system itself and the offensive lines allow them to do a bunch. And I mean, let's not denigrate or minimize the Falcons skill position talent as well. But still, I think it's an offensive line one. I got the Falcons winning this one 24 to 23. Okay, and there's your there's your cover and the over, which is close. He wouldn't touch the over, but he might bet the Falcons on this one. I feel a little bit like I did last week, Nick, where on Monday I was thinking Packers, and then by the end of the week I, I take a look at the injury reports and I start thinking, all right, they're, I'm going to switch this one. And by Friday mm-hmm. I was picking the Falcons. I, I feel that way again. I think this is the most – the best game of the weekend I might be biased but that doesn't mean I'm wrong being here in Atlanta Um, you got two teams that are going to be playoff contenders that are up and coming and who's ready who's ahead of home at this point um, for two up and coming teams and I I think that makes it makes it really interesting Mr. Mr. Swanker says so I'm going to take the Falcons on this even a 31 to 17 I'm trying to figure I'm like I think I don't think it'll be that that score, but I, I like the over on this one too. I mean, that seems like a lot of points, but it if if the Falcon if the Detroit Lions offense struggles with the injuries, then the Falcons could end up putting up some points, or they could go back and forth. I, I like that mid twenties score. I like the over. I wouldn't touch the over on this one though. No, me I wouldn't touch it. I, I think it's a good one. I think I think that's solid. And I did want to talk about one thing real quick, just from a narrative perspective, kind of fun here. And this also can lead into another topic of ours, but two first round running backs uh, mm-hmm. in this one as well. I mean, there's been obviously Bijan was always the darling and my God, does he look unbelievable uh, so far? I mean, it just, some guys play at different speeds and he's one of those ones. I mean, it's not like Reggie Bush out there, so to speak, but the he's cutting better. He's, he's better than Reggie Bush as a pro. He'll be better than oh, Reggie yeah. Bush as a pro. I agree, but I'm just talking about like the the speed element, but the the control, uh, the body movement at the size. I mean, everybody's comparing him to LT right now um, for Bijan Robinson. It is unbelievable uh, to watch him and you know talk people talk about people kind of you know poo pooing the Falcons for the schedule. But I think you're going to have a lot of people in on the Falcons because Bijan is that fun and special. But Jameer Gibbs was an excellent running back at his own right. I mean, I don't think there's any running backs in this upcoming class that are even like two tiers away from those two guys. Um, from what I've seen so far, uh, maybe Donovan Edwards at Michigan, but I still don't think so. But um, pretty fun to see these two top 12 drafted running backs in an era where running backs are extremely uh, devalued specifically in the draft and still going that high. Uh, and uh, that'll be a fun matchup. Bajan takes the cake for me. He's a more well-rounded player, but that's a, that's a fun, just from a narrative perspective to watch these yeah. two highly drafted guys. Yeah. And I, I think, um, Bijan, watching him, he's one of those guys that just beats schemes. It's okay. We've caught. We we see. We've read it. We know what he's doing. They're going to run a pitch right or a screen right to to Bijan Robinson. I got my linebacker coming in. He's reading it, and Bijan beats him anyway. You know where you see they've read a play, and you're like, oh no. You know this is a this is a three yard loss because they're all over it. And then Bijan 
puts a foot in the ground and doesn't get a hand put on him and accelerates for seven yards and then falls forward for another three. It's like that went from a three-yard loss to a first down. Wow. Um, he's just he's one of those type of players. He's he's an awful lot of fun to watch. And we will get into this before we get out of here. I promise about the uh some ideas I've had about the running back position, contracts, and NIL. And hopefully we won't have to turn that into a whole other show. <laughs> um, Jimmy Miller says 24-17 Falcons. Dave asked a question. He says, Scott, Nick, am I fair by saying that I'm not sold on the Falcons defense as of yet? I expect a lot more. I, I think they're I think that's a, a matter of expectations. The first part of what you're saying, I agree with. I'm not sold on the Falcons defense as of yet. I agree with that because They've gone against Jordan Love, who has six touchdowns in two games. He's off to one of the best starts ever. But what's that now? Three starts, I think, he has in his career. Um, Bryce Young had zero when they played him. You know, so there's some, some questions there. The big questions are still off cornerback. Um, they, they traded for Jeff Akuda and Mike Hughes. They brought in Mike Hughes. They haven't played together yet. Akuda hasn't played at all. And the pass, the outside rush is still a big question mark. So they're not getting enough pressure from their outside rush. Trey Anderson should be back this week. And they, we got to see a lot more from Caden Ellis. So I think he stepped up and they're getting pressure from a bunch of different spots. But we said at the beginning of the season, I don't know that anybody on the team is going to have 10 plus sacks, but there could be six guys with five plus. Um, so no, you're, this is a big test, a big test, Nick, for this, this Falcons defense that I think is, seven or eighth in scoring defense right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's fair to be not sold yet, even if, you know, they had been played even better defensively than we saw the first two weeks. Not that they were bad, but it's the sample size, right? You're still trying to figure out who you are. Uh, I think it was uh, Bill Belichick who always said, you don't know who your team really is until you've played four games. Uh, and that's kind of, you start to have a large enough sample size, enough variance in your types of opponents uh, that you have an idea of who they are. So what am I sold on? That depends on what the bar is. They're going to be a competent defense this year, as long as they stay healthy. How good can they be? We need to see some more games there and different uh, iterations of football teams to answer that. But they are, they look like a top 16 defense in the league at minimum. Uh, and uh, that paired with the top eight to 12 offense should be, you know, dancing in the playoffs uh, this year. And with the offensive line and run game that you have puncher's chance, especially in the NFC. Uh, good morning, Winston. Appreciate you being here. Cristiano showing up as well. Thank you, sir. Uh, Soulful Sin feels like a, a newer name, so welcome in. He says 31-27 Falcons. That's a shootout. Uh, Winston has 27-21 Falcons. That's a 48 uh, over-under again. Um, and Ryan Adonis says, Jordan Love, three starts, but has been in the league for years learning behind Rodgers. Yep, I, I get that one. Um but, you know, a lot of guys that have been in the league for three years, it's, it's not, you still don't know what you're going to get. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's still not the same. It doesn't make him a rookie, of course, but it's, it's not the same as playing for three years. So you're not really sure what you're going to get. And he's come out really, really well. Um, I still think this Detroit offense is better than the Packers offense, especially the one the Falcons saw last week that was, was a little banged up. Um, but this is, again, this is going to be a good test. That's, that's what we're, we're wanting to see. Um, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Titans Browns, uh, you know, the next game up on the docket. Uh, is it interesting to me to see people are always underrate, underrating the Titans, but they might not be this year. And this is this some there's already a lot of chatter surrounding uh, surrounding our friend Deshaun Watson and, and the contract that they're regretting. 
is this does does a does a stove get a little hotter um, if uh, if the Browns lose this game to Tennessee? I don't know how much the stove can get hot because he got that fully guaranteed contract, right? I mean, are yeah. this just you're gonna let the, the house burn down with this one? So <laughs> the one thing I will say is that, uh, and you know, again, shout out to Nick Chubb with the knee injury. Uh, but Deshaun Watson has wanted to be more of a air raid, you know, shotgun, spray the football around quarterback, not the under center heavy, you know, eye formation uh, that you saw with Stefanski and Chubb more so. So now that Chubb is out, maybe they'll lean into Deshaun Watson more. And uh, I guess you have to go down with that ship if you're Stefanski. I think the scheme uh, designs have been fine. I think Stefanski is a fine, you know, offensive mind. Uh, but Deshaun Watson's played terribly and the one thing they're saving grace is the uh, that defense has been unbelievable uh, dallas number one in epa per play so far this year uh, so far this year cleveland number two uh, miles garrett's been playing unbelievable football uh, jim schwartz has done an awesome job with that unit over there in cleveland i just don't know if the the offense can get it going enough uh to really be a challenger here but tennessee looks pretty damn terrible that's a team that feels to be racing towards the top five top ten pick um, we like Mike Vrabel, but I just I outside of Jeffrey Simmons, I don't see many horses that I love on that defense or that team at all. So I'll probably go with Cleveland still because they have the best player and the most dominant unit. Uh, but this is a game that I'll probably not be watching. I I, I agree with you. I, I'm interested in the outcome, not necessarily the game, <laughs> um, just for the narratives that go around it. And a lot of the narratives are going to be around Deshaun Watson, um, the, the quarterbacks naturally, but but still. Um, the the talk about the contract and everything and, and and what I mean like as it gets hotter there's no pressure he, he's the quarterback in Cleveland but mm -hmm. as the pressure builds it doesn't necessarily make you play any better man and it's I, I think that's going to be that to me is going to be really interesting to watch they gave up an awful lot to get him uh, and then they've put a lot into him maybe the the next best game involves the NFC South as well Saints Packers. Mm -hmm. Saints are go are two and zero going to Green Bay, who just lost a close game on the road to the Falcons. They've got the Packers favored by one and a half with an over under of forty two and a half. So they're not not truly believing in the Saints right now. Saints win this one, go three and zero. You know this is the, the NFC South. I believe is four and zero outside of conference right now, outside of division. I mean, they're they're six and two overall, and the two losses have been by the Panthers within division. So. Maybe the NFC South isn't so god awful after all. Maybe, maybe <laughs> two weeks. Uh, we'll see how it plays out early on. But I think that I'll take the Packers in this one. I mean, Packers are only one point five favorites mm -hmm. on at home. Uh, I think that you know coming off of a close win, uh, I think that they'll play better. I think the defense uh, has a lot of talent in that front. I think they'll get after it. I'm still not buying the Saints just yet. Their defense has been playing great uh, so far this season. Uh, they're number four in the league in EPA per play, but I, I expect a little bit of regression there. I'm not, I'm not all in or buying the Saints stock yet, although Carr is playing pretty good football, but I, I would go with the Packers in this one. And the Packers are still, their injury report, uh, David Bakhtiari is, didn't participate. Rashawn Gary's limited with a knee. Uh, El Elgin Jenkins, one of your guys, is still out. He didn't play on Thursday. Aaron Jones is limited. That helps. That's better than the DMP. Lucas Van Ness, who got banged up against the Falcons, was limited. Christian Watson was limited on Wednesday, but then did not practice on Thursday. Uh, and then quarterback, I mean, then punter, yippee. Um, 
I know special teams. Punting is winning. Got to be careful how I say that around the, uh, the the Iowa guy. And then the, the Saints, for the most part, look pretty healthy. So, the, again, th- this is two and one for for both teams is fine, and that might be the thing. Green Bay needs this more. They're at home. They and and two and one for the Saints. You're coming out okay. Same thing for the Falcons. The Lions need this game more than the Falcons. Sometimes that matters. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to change anything. It's just small margins, Nick. We're talking about 99% versus 100 because they might give just a little bit more because they need it just a little bit more. And somewhere in the back of your head, you know, there's this saying, hey, we'll be okay if we're two and one because um, the, the margins are just so fine. I'm not trying to put anybody down, Nick, and say these guys want it more. I'm just saying there sometimes that desperation that just a little bit at this level mean, makes a difference. Dog in the corner, as they say. So, I mean, it can. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm i still going to take the the Falcons, though, in that game. I mean, my Lions might need it more, but also the NFC North is an absolute, you know, I don't even know the word. I don't want to use anything too disparaging, but uh, it's it's bad uh, out there. So the Lions don't uh, honestly yeah, we don't have to talk about either. We, we don't even have to talk about the Bears yet. Yeah. Um, but it could be real interesting. The Falcons and Saints going on the road and if both get wins sitting there the NFC South, those guys are sitting there uh, three and zero and have only played one division opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the narratives change a little bit. Uh, average BX boxing fan coming in with a $2 super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, good morning, fellas. Bajan Robinson is the elite talent. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And the expectations for him when you take a running back number eight overall is that he's going to be used, used heavily and be effective when you take him. Check, 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 check. Yes, he has. He's he's met all those things. Maybe a little more, honestly. You know, you want him to hit the ground running fast. No pun intended. But um, he he really has. And, and we said over the summer, he will lead this team in touches every game that he is healthy for the next three years. I fully believe that. And then, and then you bring in Tyler Algier. And as Dan Campbell said yesterday, he just wants to run it through your face. <laughs> it's a... It's a it's a hell of a hell of a group they've they've built there, you know. But you know, five losing seasons and then a couple hundred million dollars in free agency, you should be better, right? Chicago Bears, you should be, right? Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, keep it rolling. Moving on, and thank you so much, uh, boxing fan. Certainly appreciate it. Um, down the docket, I see Broncos Dolphins. Uh, the only way this is interesting to me is. The, the the talking points when the, the Broncos are 0-3. You know, it, it, this game depends on the Broncos. If it's 0-3, the, the narrative around Denver becomes, um, okay, what are they going to do? Blow this whole thing up, get started. If they win it, all of a sudden things have changed. Okay, they're turning around. They just beat an AFC powerhouse on the road in Miami in the hot where, you know, those West Coast teams don't know how to play down in the muggy South. And um, Sean Payton's turning this thing around. So this is a huge, huge, huge game for the Broncos. I just don't think they have much of a chance. No, I got Miami winning this one 41 to 20. The defense has been dreadful. They can't cover when they blitz. They can't get pressure when they don't blitz. Uh, The defense can't do enough. And the offense has been putting up points, but quarterback is, you know, missing some guys out there timing wise and having issues to play. They're simplifying the play calls to get things in there. They're still having procedural issues. Penalties lead the league in uh, defensive penalties so far. Uh, so I think the 
Miami's going to win this one big. And it's unfortunate. Broncos lost two gimmies, uh, not gimme games. No game in the NFL is a gimme, but two games they should have won by a combined three points. And really, I mean, each game you can point to things with self-inflicted wounds that led to the loss more so than just being straight up outcoached, out-talented. Uh, so this is one, though. I mean, Mike McDaniel's got this team humming. Uh, they're doing things that, you know, he, probably him and Kyle Shanahan, two of the best uh, minds, offensive minds in football, no disrespect to Peyton or Arthur Smith, our head coaches, but McDaniel and uh, uh, Shanahan are unbelievable. And I think Miami's going to do some pretty incredible things uh, this season, as long as Tua can stay healthy. I think that's the key to the game, though. Broncos can't play scared. They're going to have to play in a catch-up game, uh, shoot-up, uh, you know, fireworks all day long. And they're going to have to figure out a way to hit Tua and make him uncomfortable and make sure that first read is not there. If Waddle plays or not, that could be the difference in the game. Nick, I think, well, I know this part. Shanahan and McDaniel were both on the 2016 uh, Falcons coaching staff. And I think both LaFleurs were also. Mm-hmm. Um, Shanahan tree. And on the offensive side of the ball. And what do they do when Shanahan leaves? You weren't keeping Shanahan. He was going to get a head coaching job. What do they do? They bring in Steve Sarkeesian. We can start blaming Thomas Dimitrov for a lot of things. That was a franchise killer right there. Bringing in Steve Sarkeesian to take over the number one offense in the NFL. And he'd never been a coordinator in the NFL. He engineered the worst drop-off of a number one offense in the history of the league and didn't get fired. The rest is history. Here we go. Um Want to say hello to Jay? Saw you come in, Jay. Good to see you, my friend. I know him and his boy were at the the Falcons game. Hope you all had a good time. Um, Moving down the docket here a little bit. Chargers, Vikings, 0-2-0-2. You said before all along that the the Vikings, you know, we're going to regress based on that 11-0 one-score games. Just doesn't happen two years in a row. But the Chargers sitting there at 0-2, Nick. You know, this is supposed to be a playoff team. Are we, we starting to talk, you know, Coaching searches, if uh, you know candidates, if if they go. Speaking of over unders, this one's fifty four. Uh, that might be the highest in the in the of the weekend. We start to talk, you know, replacements already. If the Chargers go zero and three, Brandon Staley has the highest odds in the NFL of first coach to be fired uh, this season. There's a lot of talent there, and they should be winning football games. I mean, I know it's hard, but I think they're the first team in NFL history to start zero and two when their offense put up. 55 points and zero turnovers. I mean, that's just, it's, and it's unexcusable really with uh, what they're doing on defense right now with the resources they poured in on there and having a quarterback who has been on a rookie contract. I think he still might be technically salary yeah, cap wise. I don't remember Herbert getting the, the extension yet. The big extension. He got yet? paid. He got okay, paid big time. It, the, the extension I think it's, hasn't kicked in yet. Okay. Yes, gotcha. I think that's what it is. And so, then, uh, yeah, totally. What does this do for Kellen Moore who got, got out from, you know, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it's not like he went to, a team that didn't already have offense and a quarterback, but Kellen Moore went there to become the offensive coordinator. I'm, unless I'm blowing that up, making that up in my mind somewhere. That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, Kellen Moore is out there in uh, Los Angeles, but I mean, it's emphatically not his fault that it hasn't been. No, good. no, I mean positively. Oh yeah, they, they've I'm been like, great. does you know, does Kellen Moore to become? Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this and we're gonna do an interim or maybe maybe Kellen Moore. I mean, positively, Kellen oh. Moore. Uh, was getting head coaching interviews two years ago and kind of backed off of that for a year. Now he's going to San Diego and still having San Diego. He's going to the Chargers and still having a lot of success, and there's going to be an opening in San Diego. Damn it. Possibly. They're the San Diego Chargers. 
There is an opening in San Diego. (laughs) The Chargers. I went to San Diego and watched the Chargers. That's that's where they were. Should be. They should be. Yeah, San San Diego. Diego. The Chargers belong in San Diego. Beautiful city. Uh, But yeah, no, he maybe could get an interim look. Uh, they're looking pretty darn good. I think that week one loss, that was probably the most fun game of the season so far, that Miami versus Los Angeles Chargers game. Uh, you had the Chargers, who have been much more of a passing team, had the, I think, the second most efficient running game in NFL in the last decade in terms of success rate and EPA per play, and uh, still end up losing that game, which is just unfathomable. Uh, but goes to show how bad the defense has been out there. So yeah, Staley should be feeling the heat. I see Chase saying Staley was getting salty with reporters post game. Uh, he's they're very much in trouble. And if they lose that game against Minnesota, uh, then I don't know how much longer he has. I mean, Saint. Uh, wow, I almost did it, Scott. You're messing me up. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, zero and three would be pretty unfathomable. I mean, I see it much more possible for the Broncos, but the Chargers. A lot of people, you know, had legitimate like Justin Herbert MVP tickets, uh, Chargers Super Bowl chances. Chargers keep on doing what they tend to do. They, you know, they had Philip Rivers, Hall of Fame quarterback for a number of years, but they just couldn't get over that hump. I don't know what it is with Sandy. Dude, or I, with that San was Diego your quarterback. Mine was Dan Fouts. Yeah. You know, I mean, my I, I grew up with Eric Coriel and Dan Fouts. They were amazing mm-hmm. until, yeah. you know, it, it came, you'd hit some weather. I remember one year that Steelers ended up winning the Super Bowl that year, I believe. They beat the brakes off the Steelers. Uh, they beat them. I mean, it was like 42 to 7. And they go into the playoffs and get beat by Dan Pastorini and the Houston Oilers, speaking of the Oilers, uh, and don't even get a chance, don't even get another shot. Then I think they lost. I think Fouts and that Charger team lost in, an, in a negative 10-degree game to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, they've been there. That's who they've been for a long time. It, 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 again, it, that's why it always seems strange to me about, I was like, why wouldn't Philip Rivers, or uh, why wouldn't Manning want to go to San Diego, for God's sakes? That's a quarterback's dream. That was more personnel type of thing. It was no, it had to do with the ownership. Yeah. Um, the, the Jack Elway personality um, type of personality. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have, there was a some serious beef between uh, Arch Manning, not Jack Elway, um, Arch Manning and uh, the uh, ownership group in for the Chargers. So that had to do with that. There was also a personal beef between Jack Elway and Baltimore uh, at the time. Stuff with back in the eighties with Elway. But uh, I digress. Well, we can we can jump through these pretty quick. Patriots, Jets. Uh, you know, one more game with uh, with Zach Wilson. This is at the Jets. The Patriots look looking at zero and three in the face. So you know, the loser of that one becomes real interesting as well. You know, got a couple of one and two teams. Uh, the Bills Commanders doesn't necessarily look that interesting on paper uh, until you remember that the Commanders are two and zero. Yeah. Are you ready to buy in on the Commanders? I'm not. I'm not ready to buy in the Commanders yet. They beat Arizona and they beat Denver. You know, whoop de doo Sorry, Denver fans, but you're four and thirteen in your last like seventeen games. Maybe, or is it four and fifteen in your last nineteen games? I mean, they haven't won a true road game since at Dallas with Vic Fangio two years ago. So, but we're talking Commanders here. The Commanders have. We're going to get to Michael in just a moment here. The Commanders um, are 2-0, and but I'm not buying in yet. This game will change that. I'm willing to have my mind changed in a hurry. You know, hey, you, you picked the Broncos over them last year. Yes, I did. I, I did last week. And the, the Washington looked a lot better than I was expecting. Sam Howell looks a lot better than I'm expecting. You go beat the Bills, 
I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's a home game. You beat the Bills, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm, I'm talking Washington for the playoffs, and this is this team's legit. Yeah, if it was the 16 playoff format, uh, then we'd have a hard time because Dallas, uh, who we'll get to, suffered a terrible injury yesterday. But they look, I mean, unbelievable through the first two weeks of that defense. And then Eagles are the reigning NFC champ. So it'd be hard to get three teams in the same division in. But now you got seven. That commander's defensive front, arguably the best in football. Uh, I mean, four first-round picks. Deron Payne is maybe the most underrated interior defensive lineman in football. Uh, he was unbelievable in that game. And you got Chase Young, who's still extremely talented, de- dealt with injuries, but he looked like, you know, Ohio State Chase Young out there uh, versus Denver. We'll find out if that was because the tackles are the garbage or not. But yeah, the commanders are an interesting one. Really, this is a game that uh, the Bills still have more talent. Uh, if As long as Josh Allen plays within himself in the offense, they should be able to win this game. But the commanders with that defensive front, kind of like the Falcons and the Lions with their offensive lines, when you are that talented on one side of the line of scrimmage, you can have deficits of talents in areas and still win football games because that unit can literally take over. Uh, so Sam Howell, aggressive player. I, I think the Bills will win this one, uh, but Washington is a salty team, and Sam Howell is a tough-as-nails quarterback. He made some unbelievable throws in that game. I mean, there was a reason that he, a lot of people thought a first-round quarterback prior to that, Still waiting to see on that. He wasn't so good that uh, 2021 season, uh, but you know, talented arm, uh, big, uh, thick quarterback as well. Can you know, have some guys bounce off of him and pick up some tough yards? They're a fun team, uh, and uh, Riverboat Ron's got them going in a fun direction. Yeah, again, I I thought I was a big fan of uh, Ron Rivera at Carolina. I thought he did a good job there. I thought he was a good hire for the pan for the for the Commanders. Just got to get that change of ownership, or else that team couldn't do anything, and they did. Yeah. So again, I, I've said it before. I'm happy for Commanders fans. They're heading in the right direction. Just not sure they're there yet. This is a chance. I'll change everything I have to say about the Commanders and their chances this year. If they, th- this is a, a real, te- this is a big test for them. This is a big test for them. Michael Rankio, always a big test for us, coming in with a big red hot pink uh, super chat, $50. Thank you, my friend over on YouTube. Helps keep the lights on around here, keeps this fan going, and keeps my forehead nice and shiny. So thank you. Everything you do for us here, Mile High Huddle, uh, Scott Kennedy Sports, Nick Kendall, anything, you're, you're, you're a prince. Um, the, the battery of this place. So thank you so much, Michael. We we can't say it enough. It's it's truly humbling. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You really are. You know. Um, next up, we'll we'll burn through these pretty quick. Again, there's not a lot of real interesting stuff <laughs> going on. Texans, Jaguars. Any reason the Jaguars don't beat the brakes off the Texans? Their interior offensive line looks like it could be a problem, but the Texans don't have the personnel to take advantage of that. Uh, sounds like Derek Stingley, number three overall pick, uh, two seasons ago, 2022 draft, uh, suffered a hamstring that might end him costing him the season. Uh, six to eight weeks is the time frame, but they might IR him. So, uh, yeah, Texans, I can't believe – I mean, Will Anderson looks amazing, but that's a team that looks destined for a top five, top three pick, yeah. and this is a more talented top of the didn't class they, this didn't year. Didn't they give that pick away? That's what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. can't believe that. That Well, 10 years from now, that's going to be a very interesting case study. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Picks. You know, if, if Will Anderson becomes a, a an all-pro edge, then that's worth that's worth a lot. That's worth two yeah. first-round picks. If you've got your quarterback, that's the key. Um, you know, CJ Stroud's been okay so far, but um, that's, you he's don't expect a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, he's getting teed off on yeah. right now. Colts, Colts and Ravens, speaking of quarterbacks, it looks like it's going to be Minshew Mania again for the Colts. Um 
Anthony Richardson hasn't practiced all week after hitting the back of his head on a touchdown run. Been in concussion co- protocol. The Saints are minus eight in this one. I'm sorry. The Ravens are minus eight in this one. Um, Ravens are going to take care of business. The Panthers are 0-2. Speaking of journeyman quarterbacks, looks like Sam Darnold. I'm not Sam Darnold. Who's taking over? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Different redhead yeah. is uh, is taking over for, uh, for the Panthers. Seahawks, after an 0-1 start. Got a nice win on the road against the Detroit Lions. Have a chance to go two and one and really start amping up the the playoff talk again in Seattle. Yeah, I expect uh, Jags to win, Ravens to win, and Seahawks to win. Bryce Young is out. Uh, Seattle's defense is terrible, but I think that Panthers' offense they lack playmakers. And now going with Andy Dalton, I just I can't see them putting enough points to keep up with Seattle. Bears Chiefs. The Bears are a circus right now. Um, Quarterback Justin Fields came out and said, F it, I'm going to play how I want to play. Um, and, and and asked why, you know, why do you feel like you play could play more loose? He says, mm, could be coaching. Um, yeah, he, he, he sounds to me like a quarterback who knows he's more secure than the coaching staff up there. And they could be on their way out. I don't have to play nice anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get – they're in big trouble um, against the Chiefs. And what comes out of that could be – <laughs> let's see how much longer before there's some real changes next game Cowboys Cardinals not a whole lot of drama here wanted to talk about that injury though that's the big one there the Cowboys should beat the Cardinals with or without Diggs. but how big of a loss is that for him I mean the Cowboys have had the number one defense in football so far obviously Micah Parsons is the the story in Dallas on that defense but Trevon Diggs was having an all pro caliber season so far I mean two years ago a lot of people were talking about him being you know, struggling, but still taking, getting a lot of turnovers away this year. He'd been much better in uh clamping guys, you know, not giving up the plays while also taking the ball away. Uh, just had his 25th birthday. So right in the prime of his career, he was playing unbelievable football uh, out there in Dallas uh, and really one of the, probably the second most important player on that defense. And now he is injured out for the season. I believe it was an ACL injury. That's a huge, huge loss uh, for that defense. I mean, not giving up points is the name of the game, but right after that, it's taking the ball away. And he was the one who was able to maximize the pressure they were getting up front. So I'm not sure how big of a drop-off this will be for Dallas. It, it will be a drop-off. Uh, they probably still are in the, will end up being a top three defense this season, but you know, Cleveland, uh, San Francisco, Baltimore uh, could be right up there still. Those are teams that I expect to be uh, pretty, uh, maybe even jumping uh, the Jets as well, maybe even jumping the, uh, Cowboys after this and who's going to step up for him. I know they traded for a Noah Igbanahi, Igbanahi from uh, Miami, a former first round pick from Auburn. Maybe he's the guy they did make a move for Stefan Gilbert this year, but Diggs was the dude out there for them in that secondary. So uh, it's, uh, it's too bad. They've lost, uh, I think two projected starters now on that defense to injury for the year. Uh, and uh, they're still going to be humming. They're still going to be okay. Dan Quinn's got them playing good football, uh, but this is a huge loss and could be a, difference in you know super bowl or not that level of talent drop there there's a yeah i'd still put them behind the eagles and the 49ers but they're they're a good team i mean and and that that, that's a that is a big loss for them um moving forward steelers at raiders the raiders are favored by two and a half my goodness i speaking of not quite being a believer uh, i'm not a believer in josh mcdaniels and the raiders on the road i am a huge believer of mike tomlin uh, and that's all that's really all I need to know. I, I'd like the Steelers on this one. 
Winner of this comes out two and one, and all of a sudden you're looking, hey, we're off to a pretty good start. I got playoffs in mind. Yeah, the Steelers' offense has just been so terrible so far this year. Uh, Matt Canada, I mean, they're in that game, was it the 49ers that played week one? You saw the 49ers linebackers like literally running the routes for the receivers. I mean, they knew where the ball was going beforehand. I mean, we have Steelers fans in the stands chanting Matt, fire Matt Canada like halfway through the first quarter. Uh, Kenny Pickett doesn't look very good. I mean, they're just so bland. Uh, I think the Raiders got a good chance in this one still. I don't think the Raiders are good, but I think that the Steelers offense is that bad. We like George Pickens. We like, you know, some of their offensive linemen they've drafted, but I think that the combination of all of them is just not very good. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, those NFL tier makers that people make for fun and people have been lumping the Steelers and the Iowa Hawkeyes together because they're, you know, they're the Spider-Man pointing meme at each other with how terrible that Steelers offense has been. So this will be an interesting game. I mean, again, Mike Tomlin's an incredible coach. Uh, how he handled his offensive coordinator being booed and addressing the fans, I thought was amazing. I don't know if you've seen that yet. He talked about like, these are great fans. They're smart fans. And, uh, you know, we owe it to them to be better. And, you know, they're good on them. You know, that's uh, it is what it is. We got to be better. Uh, but, football, Eagles and Buccaneers, 2-0 yeah. versus 2-0. Speaking of, I'm not ready to buy in. I'm not ready to buy the Bucks. No. You beat the Eagles, I'm buying Bucks. Um, yeah. that's a, that's a huge game Two and zero. I think two and is a surprise for the Buccaneers, frankly. Uh, so they've outperformed. I don't care who they're playing against. They're, the expectations for the Buccaneers were pretty low and a, a teardown rebuild type of season or seasons that they need to go through. So we'll see, we'll see what the Bucks are made of. The, the, the Eagles will bring it. That, that's going to be a tough one in, in Tampa. That'll help, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be enough. Yeah. I think the. Turns to midnight and that carriage turns into a pumpkin here uh, for Tampa Bay Eagles, you know, very talented team. I think they end up winning this game. Pretty the Bengals get off the schneid against the Rams in the second game. And what's going on? You may know the answer to this. What's up with the two games on Monday nights? Is this a permanent thing? Why are they diluting Monday night football? I don't know. I think it's very dumb. Um, I don't mind it if it's, uh, you know, two different time slots, but they're the same time slot, right? Like that's, I don't, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't diluting. make any sense. It's, to the, it's the absolutely the word I would use for this is diluting. Why are they diluting the brand? I don't know. Um, ESPN putting both. They just like all eyeballs are going to be on it anyway. I don't know. You're taking away slices of pie, I guess. I mean, those are the only games on ESPN. So ESPN's taken away from other folks by having that. Uh, but I, I don't know why they're doing that. I wouldn't mind if it was, you know, and you know, game kicks off one time. And then like 10 minutes later, you got the second game kicking off there. If you had back to back. Six hours of football. But these are these are overlapping. This is, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. There might be uh, something more about that. Chris Walker, um, interesting point. It's a content filler for the writer's strike. Well, okay, that's fine. But I can take one of those games and put them across six different platforms and have different commentators, different this and this. And now I've got six hours of content instead of, yeah. so I don't quite get it. Um, but ESPN's, they, they have the rights and the NFL, it's, it's like, you can't, really screw this up it's like you're gonna get numbers anyway it doesn't matter who your announcers are or anything like it's the nfl it'll it'll do numbers um (laughs) ryan says they do the two monday night games to hedge their bets because the monday night football games have been so crappy and they want to make sure there's a decent game on you know there's something to that it's not quite what he said but that was the meaning he says there are two different monday night games because the first game gets boring after the first quarter so people go to watch a better game (laughs) You know, I I could buy that. That 
I don't think that's quite what it is because NBC cleaned their clocks on the Sunday night deal with their ability to flex games and stuff that their deal was so much better than ABC's and ESPN's when they signed that five, six years ago. Um, but it's, it is a, a little bit strange to me. Um, real quick before we get out of here, running backs, we got about 10 minutes before we hit an hour. So we got time to do this running backs in, in the, the NIL, et cetera, et cetera. Been thinking about this. How do we make, the running back compensation more fair to the running backs based on their actual importance in the game. Um, and that's, that's could be arguable, but if you were to say we're doing a one year fan, when you're looking at fantasy football, who, who gets drafted first, all the running, the running backs, backs. Mm-hmm. you know, so they're the ones putting up numbers. The, the good ones are the good ones, but because of this, socialistic monopolist system that the NFL has. They say, we're going to pay you based on where you were drafted. You're going to get paid um, a certain amount of time. And we're going to tell you where you're going to go play anywhere else. That's illegal. (laughs) That's restriction of trade, but the NFL, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we're just used to it. So I'm thinking, you know, you're when the CBA comes up, how are they going to address this? And Nick, I don't see any way it can be addressed without the unintended consequences of where it's going to end up hurting. It's like, okay, you got to pay the running backs more. We'll just draft them later. You know, Mm -hmm. now we're going to draft them, you know, even later than we were. Um, The one thing I was thinking of, and I don't know that the owners would ever go for this because it promotes more risk is if you had shorter contracts to start, if you, if you drop the four-year contract to a three-year contract and no fourth year option on a running back, that would hurt them too. You have to make it year round. You have to make it universal. Yes, I agree. We've you, talked you have about to make this. it universal yeah. or the unintended consequences or it'll just push them down farther. But if you shortened the rookie contracts, I think that would help the running backs exponentially mm-hmm. more than any other than any other position. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. They should drop the uh, the length of the contract and just make everything a year less. Uh, so first round picks, that's a f- four year contract with a, or excuse me, three year contract with a fourth year option. Everybody else is getting a three year contract. Uh, I think that's, that frees up the market for a lot of guys as well. You know, hitting that earlier, it does devalue, it will have consequences because like draft picks to an extent will be even a little bit more devalued. Uh, so teams will not want them as much because the extra year control really does matter. Uh, it's going to have consequences on tight ends and offensive linemen in that respect, because those are positions that typically take a while quarterbacks as well. Uh, But I think you kind of, I would balance that a bit by bumping up, not making the contracts necessarily that much bigger for those guys, but bumping up the, uh, the guarantees all around on these contracts a bit, Uh, maybe making the first two years after drafted 100% guaranteed or something like that, where, you know, maybe not hundred percent, like things can, you know, if they, do something horrible, then maybe they shouldn't see that money. Uh, but uh, I think bumping up the guarantees can protect some of these guys as well. But no matter what you do, it's going to change things, mm-hmm. right? Because of the system, we're, we're changing the system. Our people are changing their evaluation on the system all the time as we're trying to get an advantage in something like this. But I would make it a three-year thing. Uh, the other aspect of this is that while it's unfortunate for running backs, at least now there is the NIL aspect mm-hmm. where they're not going to give their best years in the league and or their best years of health in college football for on the surface, nothing. Right. Uh, now they can get paid big money um, in college where they actually are arguably, you know, the most valuable, one of the most valuable guys in the field. 
All right, so that brings me to another point on this. The with the NIL money and the, the the it's been an unholy coalition between the the college football and the NFL for years. I worked in the business, and when I was doing NFL stuff, I wasn't allowed to be critical. In fact, you weren't even allowed to cover college football on an NFL channel because you wanted hands off. We don't want to we don't want to hurt that. We don't give the appearance that we're taking away anything because we've got this big NFL channel from college football um, because that would hurt our partnership with the NCAA. This un- again, it's, I call it, I've called it an unholy coalition for years. We're going to say you're not eligible to come to this league until you've spent three years in our feeder program, the NCAA, you're going to get your marketing and everything. The NCAA has got the best deal in the world because they don't have to pay their players, et cetera, et cetera. Now to a bigger extent, Nick, they're in competition. There, Caleb Williams has already said, I'll go back to college, which is how the baseball players have been for years. You've heard me talk about baseball contracts forever and drafts. It's up to the baseball teams to make that person give up their, their, uh, their eligibility, not vice versa. I think you're going to have to raise the rookie salaries a lot anyway, mm-hmm. because now we're in competition. I'm, I'm the Arizona Cardinals, pardon Arizona Cardinals, this isn't you. I'm the San Antonio Nuggets, and I've been tanking to go 0-17 so I could get my quarterback. And now he won't come. He won't He won't come from USC because the limits on what I'm allowed to pay him aren't more than what he's already making, and my franchise sucks. Woe is me. I've had a, I've run an awful program here and I can't get the guy I want. That's not fair. Well, it is fair. It is 100% fair. Yeah. That these guys, these players should have some sort of option on where they go and how much money they're making is fair to the players. Owners don't like that. The billionaire boys club Nick, they don't like that. They don't like risk. They don't like having to spend any more money than they have to. Nick, what there's you, competition like now. You like to talk competition about competition between the NCAA and the NFL. And I think we're going to have to see more money allocated to rookie contracts. I wouldn't be against that. Maybe uh, it reminds me of the quote that you like to make talking about your dog uh, with the Krugs, right? Change is bad. Uh, that's what the owners are like with the, with that. But yeah, it'll be, I wouldn't mind them implementing a lottery, so to speak, where it's heavily uh, favored towards the, uh, the top teams getting it still, but you know, then you can't outright tank to guarantee you're getting that top pick. Uh, but I don't know the shorter terms contracts. I still like when the draft, I mean, it's part of the evaluation process. I do like rewarding or not rewarding, but giving some of those worst teams a chance. I don't want every single player to end up going signing with Miami or Los Angeles or Las Vegas every year. And then like green Bay and Cleveland, absolutely, you know, just, going sleuthing off the NFL map because who's signing with them when, you know, you have a chance to go somewhere else. Uh, no offense if you live in those cities, but a lot of NFL players are don't enjoy those towns as much with the cold weather and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think there'll ever be a perfect system. Uh, that'll Kick make them out everybody of the league. Kick them out of the league. Just put everybody in. Better st- God, it would be sick. I've been into a, in a conversation on my Twix account about the, the the similarities and, and it, there people are arguing which is better college football or you know international football you know english soccer premier league soccer like guys it is so similar in how they are run you have no idea uh mm-hmm. you know not the game itself obviously it's football and football and the names are similar depending on where you are but how they're run 
and the player personnel and the punishment for losing is very, very, the tribal loyalty. It's very, very similar. Um, but you know, we're, we're talking in here. There's some comments in here and it, this just goes to prove my point. Uh, Dion chose where he went or it was baseball. Yeah. He had an option of baseball. So did John Elway. So we can go through a couple of these John Elway, Bo Jackson, Dion Sanders, Corey Cotter brings up Eli Manning. That's, um, four players off the top of our heads in 40 years, in 40 years. Those are the exceptions. Three of those guys had baseball. One of them had a millionaire dad who played in the league and, and had the family money to say, I'll sit out. I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. Archie Manning had already, you know, banked millions and millions of dollars. That's not the case for a lot of these guys. For a lot of these guys, they were giving up their fourth year of eligibility in college to maybe get drafted, but maybe not. So they could put food on the freaking table for their families. No lie. Go read about these stories about these kids at Pahokee down in South Florida chasing rabbits so they could eat in the sugarcane fields. So, yes, I'm uh, I'm I'm talking about a lot of this, but the NFL and NCAA are now in competition for players, and you know who that's good for, Nick? The players, mm-hmm. and the billionaire boys club won't like it. Tough, <laughs> too damn bad. Tough. I don't want to get my grandpa. <laughs> Adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Corey Carter says running back salaries are fine. If you don't want to do it, then don't. Yeah. I I think they're inequitable to, to what is going on. And again, because it is a monopoly quarter, uh, Corey, if, if there was the option of really going and playing in a different country in a different league, then I'd be with you on this, but this isn't, this isn't, like what we're used to in the world. This is, I've got a world-class skill set that is compensated really, really well, and it's being artificially suppressed because they have a monopoly. That's un-American. <laughs> That's un-American. On that note, I think we're going to get out of here. I want to say thank you to everybody that came in and supported the show. Uh, financially speaking with Super Chats, we had Michael come in. We had Robbie come in. We had Average Boxing Fan come in. We had uh, Jack and Galloway come in. Thank you so much. Helps keep the lights on. Had a good time with the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. And I hope you enjoyed some of the breakdowns. Leave a comment. Uh, I've got some new subscribers in here. If you have any questions, want to tell us we're out of our minds or clarify on stuff, we like doing all of that stuff anyway. When we go live, I'm going to say some things that I didn't mean because I was wrong or whatnot, and I'll clarify. Typically, though, you know, we're, we're on point. But Nick and I will be back on Monday mm-hmm. morning to review on these channels. We'll be doing a Falcons podcast to review that very highly contested Falcons-Lions games. We'll spend 30 minutes on that, and then we'll be back on Wednesday. So Corey was asking these shows. We are on these channels. Corey, you're on Facebook. You're on YouTube. YouTube.com slash um, Scott Kennedy or Scott Kennedy Sports on Facebook. You can find us either one of those places. We're Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. And uh, the shows have been growing. They've been growing great because of people like you. Everybody in the chat who has hit that thumbs up, who has hit that share, we love you for it. Nick, final words before we get out of here. Uh, An incredible week of college football, like I said. I didn't even get a chance to talk about that so much. Uh, The big game, the biggest game is probably – uh, Ohio State heading to Notre Dame. Um, that is a game that has massive playoff implication, uh, number six versus number nine. Ohio State's kind of been – Notre Dame is a f- team that a lot of people are taking right now. Ohio State hasn't haven't looked like world beaters, but 
still have a lot of talent and a pretty good matchup uh, this week for Notre Dame's uh, left tackle, uh, Joe Alt. Uh, f- should have been an Iowa Hawkeye. His dad played offensive line at Iowa, but that's another discussion. Uh, but he looks like a top 10 pick. This is a very good matchup for him. And can he continue his uh, good play from the first three weeks versus a much stiffer uh, step up of competition and talent? So really great week. And also, how is the Colorado experience really going to continue here? Their first, I mean, heading to TCU and beating TCU, great. Uh, but now they're heading to Oregon. I think Oregon's a 21-point favorite, and they're without their most talented player in Travis Hunter. If Shadur Sanders can go in there and beat Oregon, I mean, we're, we should be talking Heisman uh, right now. It'd be pretty in, pretty unbelievable. I see Corey Carter saying to Colorado in the playoffs. If Colorado – uh, and Washington are in the play. I was going to say Washington might be a hotter pick right now for the, the Pac-12 there. But, yeah, uh, really, really good week of college football. I think we have six ranked-on-ranked matchups. Uh, should be a lot of fun on Saturday. And tonight, excited for some Big Ten West football. Purdue, Wisconsin, baby. Let's get some ugly football in here. I mean, it's it's still uh, it's still <laughs> some – I'm all about those ugly matchups. So hey, it'll be a lot what, of fun. What I know, Nick, is going to Senior Bowl, I've seen lots of Purdue and Wisconsin. The yeah. last couple of years, especially on those lines of scrimmage. They got talent, no doubt. And Purdue has, uh, there's no Keanu Benton this year at Wisconsin, but Purdue has a pass rusher who's actually pretty talented. Not a first round guy, but somebody we'll see. All right, y'all. Appreciate you for being here. We will be back on Monday morning at nine o'clock. Hope to see you then. Until then, y'all have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you